This morning we're going to be in Genesis chapter 1, and we're actually starting a new series. So we just finished up a series um, about uh, really the offices of, of uh, leadership within the church, and so we looked at the, the office of, of uh, elder pastor, and we looked at the office of deacon, and then wrapped into that we also talked about the idea of uh, membership and why someone would uh, join a church. But today we're actually shifting focus away from that, and we're starting a, a new series, a new series that I plan to take uh, all the way through uh, the end of November, and uh, the series is called this, What a Mighty God We Serve. What a Mighty God We Serve. And really, my, my hope and my desire is that whether you have been a Christian for a long time, maybe you've been a Christian longer than I have, or maybe longer than I have been alive. If you've been a Christian for a while, or maybe you're a brand new Christian, maybe you're still really growing in your faith, maybe you're reading your Bible, you're digging out those, those nuggets of truth in God's Word. I hope that whether you're a, 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 a really faithful Christian, and you've been a faithful Christian for years, or you're a growing Christian just learning about the Lord, that this study that we're about to go through, what a mighty God we serve, will have an impact in your life. Some of it might be um, reminders, because I have no plans to cover any new theology about God, nothing that is original to me. And so you're not going to walk away going, wow, I've never heard that before. That, at least that shouldn't be so, um, that I've never heard that before. Hopefully these are things that we've heard before, we're reminded of if we've been a Christian for years. And so, of course, if we're going to really start off, oh, I didn't even put my slides up there. If we're going to start off this new series, we've got to start from where? From the beginning. And that's actually the title of my message this morning. In the beginning. In the beginning. And so we're going to, instead, we're not going to develop any new theology. All right? That's not my goal, is to dig out something that no one's ever heard of before. Instead, it is to reteach the things that have been taught faithfully, the things that we know to be true about God and so we are going to take a study, and we're going to talk about what a mighty God we serve. And as we, as we start this morning, we're going to just look at Genesis chapter 1, and uh, we're going to start in verses 1 through 5, and so I'll have you stand out of respect for God's Word. And uh, again, this is just uh, five verses. This is not a lot. And the Word of God says this. Again, this is Genesis chapter 1. Starting in verse 1, and it says this, In the beginning God created the heaven, heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the, the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. All right, let's go stop there. We'll ask the Lord's blessing upon our time. Lord, as we stop this morning, and, and really as we go through this new series, what a, an amazing God we serve. Lord, our hearts, may our hearts be encouraged. 
Truly, may you be magnified. May you be glorified. Truly, Lord, as has been our prayer uh, this year, may you increase and may we decrease. And so, Lord, today as we start off this study, we start in the beginning of your word. I pray that our hearts would be encouraged that your word would go out and touch lives, that we would be encouraged as we reflect on who you are and what you mean to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The first thing that we should uh, note, that the writers of the Old Testament and the New Testament never made an attempt to prove or argue the existence of God. And so really the first thing that we need to know is the Bible doesn't attempt to prove or argue the existence of God. When the, when the Bible is written, it kind of takes for granted that if you're reading this thing called God's Word, that you believe that there is a God. And so it takes for granted. It doesn't start off with, here we go, this is how we know there's a God. Instead, what we read in first 1 is this, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. There is no, well, let me tell you why there's a God. It just takes for granted that if you are reading God's word, that you believe there is a God. That is taken for granted. Matter of fact, we see that throughout the Bible. When you read the Bible, it's simply taken for granted that you believe that there's a God. And matter of fact, what we have before us is one of the greatest gifts we could ever have. Because what we could do is we could look around and we could tell there is a creator and that there is a God, but without the Word of God, we wouldn't know who that God is. And so the Word of God doesn't try to tell us there is a God. Instead, the Word of God tells us who that God is. And so that's what we're going to be studying, who God is. And so as we start off, we just need to know the Bible doesn't attempt to prove or argue the existence of God. And as I go through this, we are going to talk a little bit about some arguments about the existence of God, but we're not going to go into depth, all right? And so if you come up afterwards and you say, oh, pastor, you missed this, and you missed this, and you missed this, uh, my goal was not to give you all the evidences of why I believe God exists. All right, we, we, we actually did that on a, on a Sunday night uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, that's not the goal. Instead, our goal is really to, to look at God's Word as it's written, and the way that it's written is they don't attempt, they just, they just imagine that you are going to believe there's a God. Matter of fact, this is what Hebrews eleven six says, and without faith, it is impossible to please Him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And so even to have this idea of faith, and of course faith is believing God's promises. To believe God's promises, you have to believe there's a God. And so the existence of God is, is really taken for granted. Matter of fact, here in Psalms 14.1 it says this, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Again, getting back to this idea that um, they, they just take for granted that if you're reading the Word of God, that you know that there is a God. Instead, the Word of God tells you who God is. 
Not that there is a God. That wasn't the goal of the Word of God, to tell you there is a God. Instead, it was the goal to tell you who that God is. And that's one of the reasons why I say this is one of the greatest gifts. And oftentimes, we think about Christ being one of the greatest gifts, and that is a great, a great and amazing gift. But without the Word of God, we would never know that Christ died on our behalf. If the Word of God was not kept for us, preserved for us, and translated into our language, we would never know what God did for us. And so the Word of God is the single greatest gift we could ever have. So God does exist. Matter of fact, if, if, we, if we take out, if we say this morning, and so we're going to play on the other side here, we're going to say, well, God does not exist, then you know what that means for this? That means this is just another religious book. It has no power, and really it's not worth reading if God doesn't exist. But isn't it good that God does exist? And how do we know God exists? Because God reveals Himself to us in the Bible. And it starts off, I mean, this is literally how the Bible starts off in Genesis 1-1, In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. So as we think about the Word of God, in the beginning there, really we're talking about God as an eternal God. God is eternal. The phrase, in the beginning, has two possible interpretations. Interpretation number one, what we're talking about, is in the beginning before creation. It's like step one of creation, in the beginning. The second interpretation is the absolute beginning of all time. And let me tell you where these two ideas stem from. These two ideas stem from whether you believe verse 1 is a summary of what we're about to read or whether it's the first step of what we're about to read. And so when you think of that very first verse in Genesis, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you believe that is the first step, then you would say in the beginning is, is like the beginning of creation. It's the first step. I happen to believe that this is instead a summary of what we're about to read. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then we're about to learn how God created the heavens and the earth. And so as I read in the beginning, I think that this is the beginning of all time. But it doesn't matter whether you think this is the beginning of creation or the beginning of all time, because this is the truth. God was there before anything else was created. And so God is eternal. Matter of fact, this is what Psalm 92 says, or 90 verse 2, I should say, says. It says this, before the mountains were brought forth, Wherever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. That is, from the beginning of time to the end of time and everywhere in between, you have been God. An everlasting God, an eternal God. And what does that mean? Well, that means that God is not created. That He didn't have a beginning, He was never born And he will never have an end. He will never die. 
We as human beings, we do have a beginning. We do have an end. We are a creation, a creation of God. Matter of fact, as you think about the material world, everything in this world has been created. It all had a start. Nothing in creation is eternal. Matter of fact, scientists used to believe that the cosmos, the outer space, that that was eternal, that it was something that had just always been. But of course, we know over the last, I don't know, several years, decades, I should say, probably, is that 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 has shifted to this idea that even the cosmos had a beginning, that it's not eternal, that science has actually shifted away from this idea that outer space and the cosmos has always been. Instead, they believe there was a start. And so really the scientists of the 21st century confirm what Moses wrote over 3,000 years ago. That when we look up into the sky at night and we see all those stars, that all of those stars had a beginning. There was a beginning for them. Now, science is caught up with what Moses said over 3,000 years ago, that they too believe that there was a beginning. Of course, uh, the unbelieving scientists of the world, they would argue what the beginning was. And so Moses would say, it was God. He is creator of all. And scientists have a different theory The first thing I just want to point out this morning is this idea that before anything was created, that everything in creation has had a beginning. There's only one thing that we know of that hasn't had a beginning, and that is God. He is eternal, never born, never created. He will never cease to live. He will never die. So he's eternal from left to right. He goes on and on and on and on. God is eternal. The second thing that we should know, we're right from our verse here, is that God is creator. And again, again we see that uh, in the very next verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens. Yeah, I noticed it popped up a little different on my screen, and then I was like, wait a second, I don't think it's on the screen. Ah, well, it may not work this morning. Technology, I know. I could try to reset it, but I have no idea if it will continue to work. So look at verse 1 down in your Bible. So look at verse 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so in the beginning, again, this is the beginning of time. This is begin beginning of anything else that was created. God created the heavens and the earth. He is creator. Today in the world, there are three options to the origins of all creation. So let me give you the three options this morning. The first option is this, all came from something, all came from something. This is actually where we get this idea of the Big Bang Theory, and I I have to point out that the Big Bang is a theory, because of course we know that the way that science works is, is you start off with a theory or a hypothesis, and then you test that theory or hypothesis, and then once it's been tested, then it's been proven as fact. But because no one could ever go back to the very beginning of when the cosmos was created, there is no way that we could ever produce the theory of the Big Bang in a lab. 
And so it continues to be just that, a theory. And I know it's in, in public schools these days and, and in colleges, it's taught as if it's fact, but the truth is, it's, it's just a theory. And there's one big problem with the theory. The big problem is this, it's called infinite regression. And so it's this, the Big Bang might have the answer to where our planet came from and our sun came from. It, it might have the answer to, let's say, where galaxies, galaxies came from. But it doesn't answer this, and this is the, the problem of regression, is, is when you keep going back, you ask the question, well, where did the matter come from that caused the Big Bang? And scientists say, well, we don't know. You say, okay, what caused the matter to explode, which caused the Big Bang? And they would say, well, we don't know. We don't know where the matter came from, and we don't know what caused it. And so this is the problem with regression, the infinite regression. If you follow it back, you have to get to a point in which you say, where was the start? And science says, we don't know. We don't know where the start was. We weren't, we weren't there. And maybe if we could test this in a lab and prove it, then we could take the next step. We could find out how all that got there. But for now, it's, it's a theory. And so option number one, all came from something. Option number two, all came from nothing. All came from nothing. So this is similar to the Big Bang Theory, but it is this. It's that we didn't have anything, and then all of a sudden, we had everything. And of course, there's a problem with that as well, which science proves over and over again. You can't have something from nothing. Nothing remains nothing. Nothing never turns into something. Either it's nothing or it's something. It can't be both nothing and something at the same time. So option number one, all came from something. The problem is, where did that something come from? Option number two, all came from nothing. So the question is, well, how did we get something from nothing? Because again, that is something you just can't prove. We have option number three. Option number three is all came from someone. All came from someone. And this option really answers the two questions from the first two options. Remember what the first question was? Well, where did the matter come from that caused the explosion? What was the cause that created the explosion? What created the cosmos? And of course, that answer goes back to a creator, God. It also answers that second question, how could you have nothing and then have something? And of course, we know from the very beginning there was who? God. There was something there. It was creator God. And he spoke and created things from nothing into something. But it started with God, not nothing. Matter of fact, as we look at the world today, we see that things are governed by laws, right? We have, like, the law of gravity. So my question is, who wrote up all of these laws that everything is controlled by? 
And so did it happen by accident? Did all of a sudden we have all of these laws by accident? It's like saying, well, where did the watch come from? Is there a watchmaker? Because watches are governed by rules. All right? If a watch is not governed by rules, then it won't keep time and it won't be helpful. Let me, this illustrates what I mean, this option number three, as, as we connect it to option one and two. And this is simply an illustration that pictures the truth that we're trying to communicate this morning. And the story goes like this. One day, a group of scientists got together and decided that mankind had come a long way and no longer needed God. So they picked one scientist to go and tell him that they were done with him. The scientist walked up to God and said, God, we've decided that we no longer need you. We're to the point where we can clone people and do many marvelous things. So why don't you go on and mind your own business? God listened very politely to the man. After the scientist was done talking, God said, very well, how about this? Let's say we have a people-making contest, to which the scientist replied, okay, we can handle that. But God answered, we're going to do it in just the way that I did it in the old days with Adam. The scientist said, sure, no problem. Bent down and grabbed himself a handful of dirt. God looked at him and said, no, no, no. You have to get your own dirt. (laughs) This exactly pictures what we're trying to say this morning. That the question is, when you go all the way back, when you regress... Where do the original things come from? And of course, the Word of God, what we're reading at the very beginning here, and again, this takes for granted the fact that you believe that there's a God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's what the Word of God says. And so even though in the world today there might be lots of theories, lots of options of of how all of this stuff came together, The Word of God points to the mighty God we serve, that He is eternal, that He never had a beginning and that He'll never have an end, that His life is infinite. It goes in both directions. But not only is He outside of time and outside of creation, everything else in this world has been created, including the cosmos, and yet God has never been created, for He is Creator He is the self-existent God. And so in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But really, there is another thing that is true here, and that is this. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. It's very um, evident as you look through this Genesis account That you see God has power, that He is sovereign over creation. And so, if you're taking notes uh, under God is sovereign, number A there, God is sovereign over His creation. That would be point number one under God is sovereign. And we see that in verses 3 and 4. So, look down in your Bible at verses 3 and 4. And it says this, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. All right, there was no debate. The light didn't debate whether or not it was going to come on, that it was going to be created. 
God spoke and it happened. And notice in verse 4, and God saw the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. The light wasn't like, I don't know, I think I like mixing with the darkness here. No, God separated it and that's exactly what happened. God was sovereign over his creation. Look at verse 11. Look down at verse 11. And it says this, and God said, let the earth sprout vegeta- uh, vegetation plants, yielding fruit, or I'm sorry, yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruits in which in their seed, each according to its kind on the earth, and it was so. God spoke and it was so. God was sovereign over creation. He spoke and it was so. And when you read through chapter 1, you will see that again and again and again. God spoke, and it was so. God spoke, and it happened. God was sovereign over his creation. But not only was he sovereign over creation, he was also sovereign over his creatures. So look at verse 24. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was what? And it was so. God spoke and it was so. He was sovereign over his creatures. Speaking of the preeminence of Christ, Paul says this in Colossians 1, 16 and 17. It says this, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You know what Paul is saying there? If you are part of creation, you have been created for God. If you are part of creation, you have been created to bring him glory, for he is sovereign over his creation. He is sovereign over his creatures. So God is sovereign. And then notice how, notice how this chapter ends. So look at verse 31. This is again Genesis chapter 1. Look at verse 31. This is how the chapter ends, and it says this, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. It wasn't just good. When God looked out at at the end of the sixth day, and he saw everything that he had made, he didn't say, well, this is good. He said that actually throughout creation. As he looked, he said, this is good. But at the very end, he said, this is very good. The idea is complete. This is complete. This is good from from end to end, from top to bottom. This is very good. Creation is now complete. So God is sovereign over his creation. God is sovereign over his creation creatures. We see that from the very beginning, and this really brings us to um, oh, I should uh, say this. This is So in, in verse 31, this idea of this is uh, very good. This is not that just God created a work of art. This is that God created a masterpiece. 
When we think about artists, uh, some artists, they, they have paintings that just rise above the rest. So they are, there are works of art, and then there are masterpieces. And when we think about creation, creation is God's masterpiece. So he's eternal God. He is a sovereign God. He is a creator God, and what he has created is a masterpiece. And then we get to, and we're not really going to get to it today, we're just going to just hint on it, that we're familiar with the fall. And really the fact that now, as we think about the world, it's been cursed. So now we we have pests, we have weeds, we have thorns. We also know there's sin in the world. We turn on the TV, we know bad people do bad things. Regular people do bad things. But our verse here on the wall, this is Ephesians 2.10. Our theme verse for this year, it says this, For we are His workmanship, and, and again, it's not the idea of employee. When, when we read that up there, we are his workmanship. What we're talking about is his product, his creation. Do you know what some translations translate that workmanship as? We are his masterpieces. They kind of draw on this idea of in the, old, in the Old Testament in creation, when God looked out and he said it is very good, God's masterpiece, and they actually translate this idea of workmanship. We are his workmanship, his masterpieces created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so when God created the world, it was his masterpiece but we as Christians are his masterpieces as well. As we close today, let's review. First of all, God is self-existent. He had no beginning and he has no end. He is eternal, all right? Outside of, he lives outside of time. He lives outside of creation. He is what started creation. God is not a part of creation. He is its creator, the creation account points to a sovereign creator of all. He spoke and it was so. Mankind is not eternal. Mankind has a beginning. Genesis records the creation of life and the creation of mankind. And we are gods because God has created us. And as Christians, we are his masterpieces. We are his workmanship. And that is made possible through two truths. Number one, God is creator and we are his creation. So how are we his workmanship? How are we our, his masterpieces? One, he is our creator. Number two, through Christ we are a new creature, a new creation. We no longer are dead in our trespasses and sin. Instead, we are alive with Christ. Paul says this in Colossians 1, 21 and 22. And you, who were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, 
he has now reconciled in his body the flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. I know I'm not holy and blameless or even above reproach because I make mistakes. And you all know I make mistakes. But I am so glad that Jesus Christ died on my behalf. That before God, I don't stand by myself. Instead, I stand with Christ. Before God, God sees me through Christ. And so as I stop this morning, I just have to say, what a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. As Christians, we have been reconciled for His glory. But do we show glory to our Creator? Do we show glory to our Savior? Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we thank you for this short time that we've had together where we've uh, stopped just really in, in Genesis chapter 1 and, and reflected on who you are, the fact that you are eternal, that, that you are an uncreated God, that you are self-existent. That really as we think about the origins of life and the origins of the cosmo, that there are a lot of theories out there. But one that really stands against, I don't know, against the problems of these other theories is the Word of God. The fact that Moses said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It answers some of those big questions. And today, now we realize that at the end of creation, you had created a masterpiece. And although sin came into the world and, and really marred your masterpiece, that through Christ, we again have life. Through Christ, we are new, we're, we're new creations, new creatures. That you continue to be sovereign over your creation, over your creatures. And Lord, as we looked at, as we looked at church leadership, sovereign over your church. And so, Lord, we thank you for being the mighty God we serve. Thank you for being our God, an eternal God, a creator God, a sovereign God. Lord, may we allow our lives to bring you glory, for we are your creation, we are your masterpieces. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.